hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, something that really, really, I guess is parents' worst nightmare, and that is having a sick child, and in particular, having that child hospitalised or being diagnosed with something that is very life-threatening and perhaps only the slightest chance that that child will survive. And I can't even imagine the um, the torment for a, for a parent. Today's guest is a parent whose uh, daughter was diagnosed with uh, quite a serious illness. And what, what he did with that after all the battles and all the struggles was to come up with something fantastic to help other kids. You are going to love this episode and you are going to love Jason. Let me tell you about him and please, please listen to the end because there's been a number of tears in this episode, I can tell you. Jason Soteris is the founder of the award-winning charity Super Tea, which provides superhero costumes for sick kids to wear in hospital. Beginning as a tradie, A devastating turn of events with his daughter, Angela, made Jason decide to pack up the tools and make kids' dreams come true. Jason's daughter, Angela, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer in 2013, making Jason feel absolutely useless when a tangle of wires and tubes left him unable to change her clothes without difficulty and discomfort for Angela. In 2018, Jason launched Super Tees. Super tees fasten with plastic buttons to bypass wires and tubes and can safely be worn in scanning machines. The innovative design provides an easier way for parents and hospital staff to change, access and bypass medical lines without impacting the child's dignity. Over the past three years, 7,000 plus costumes have been given to sick Australian kids with more than 8,000 still to be delivered. Wow. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I am so rapt to have you. I I love what you're doing. I just, um, oh, I don't even know where to start. You know, you just make my heart so warm. And thank you. (laughs) I've got my kids running in. Look at look at those kids. Yeah. Well, apologies. This is homeschooling as at its finest. They. I know it's um. So for for those, you know, we're just going to get kickstart into it you heard in the intro that you know Jason had had one sick daughter and uh, it was his first daughter Angela and he's now got three kids so we're going to forgive him for having three healthy kids running in and out of the studio so appreciate it oh <laughs> uh, it's it's just um you know it, it's I don't know. We're going to get, well, let's talk all about that stuff and how you felt. No, I think it's it's every parent's worst nightmare. I'm probably going to say that ten times in the interview. But mm. it, it, so for you, all of you listening on on just the audio version, you're missing out big time because this is like a superhero den that uh, Jason <laughs> is sitting in. What, what's where'd, where'd you get all this stuff behind you? It's fantastic. So. Uh... A volunteer of ours shared one of our videos in a Facebook group. And it just so happens that one of the members of this group was a producer for <laughs> for the Living Room TV show for Channel wow. 10. So she reached out to us and she said, hey, I love what you do. How can we help? And my um, my wife, when, when she called, she grabbed the phone and she said, give me that phone. She said, get all this stuff that you see in here now. <laughs> get it out of my home and give him my home back. 
I might just let them out. Just give me one second. Karen. Okay. <laughs> All right. You've got me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my, my wife grabs the phone and she says, get this stuff out of my house. Um, and it just so happens that we, we, we had a pool, above ground pool that was falling apart. And a friend of mine um, helped me remove it and level the ground. So we had, we had this space in the backyard. So Channel 10 said, look, here's the deal. We will come and do whatever we want with your garden. We can do whatever we want, but you get to keep whatever we leave behind. And, um, you know, we, we at that point, were, were, wasn't doing too well financially. And we were like, okay, well, we can't do anything else. We can't leave it. It's just going to become a weed pit. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we said, okay. And what they've built is this beautiful outdoor cabin that is um, basically the warehouse and the headquarters for Super T. That's fantastic. It's just so good. So many, um, you know, superhero bits, Marvel, Big Shield, and it's, 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 it's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, I absolutely, absolutely love it. So what a, what a um, you know, we've all got these boring offices that we don't want to sit in, but you've got the most super cool office. I absolutely love this. But before you were doing all of this superhero stuff, you were a tradie, you know, so going to work yeah. and probably you thought back then, you know, this is my life. This is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And, and you know, what was your life plan at that stage? Yeah, I, such a good question. Uh, I honestly believe that I was a different person um, before we received the bad news about my daughter. So I uh, had a joint sealing business and a lot of people were wondering, well, what, what is joint sealing? I'm the guy that comes in after the Tyler finishes in bathrooms and I put silicon in all the corners to allow for that bathroom to move. Otherwise it will crack yeah. in the ground. So it's a job I fell into. I mean, prior to that, I was 10 years in real estate over in, um, in the UK and came over here when the GFC hit and um, wanted to be around more, uh, was tired of the long hours. So decided to, to try and get into the construction trade. And uh, I, I was doing very well. I mean, we picked up big jobs, um, notably uh, Wet and Wild theme park. Uh, wow. Worked on the on the Opera House and the Promenade um, that leads up to it. So we we got some big contracts, and I was very much focused on you know I, I want to be like the O'Brien's glass version of joint ceiling. I just want to build this empire. Yeah. Big house, big cars, big money, big lifestyle, that sort of thing I was chasing. And uh, geez, didn't life have other plans for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, my daughter, uh, when she was born, she was this cute, bubbly, chubby baby that just was so energetic. And then uh, strangely enough, she, she looked like she was coming down with the flu or something like that is the best way I can explain it. She was very pale. She took long naps. She didn't want to eat anything and whatever she ate, she would bring back up. All she wanted to do was cuddle. Um, something was definitely up. So we took her to a few different doctors and it's interesting because every different doctor had a different response. Mm. You know, it might be teething, might be that she's got an infection, you know, take some antibiotics. Yeah. But my, my wife followed her motherly instinct. She, she was like, something's not right here. So we went to a third doctor mm. and he examined her and he said, look, um, not too sure what's wrong with her, but she's severely dehydrated. Take her straight to the children's hospital. And I was having a meeting with um, uh, like a big client for a big job. And uh, the phone call came in. And she's and, and um, she said, "Look, I, I need you. I need you to come to the children's hospital now." Mm. And uh, I said to that client, "Sorry, I, I, I've got to go." Um, and what resulted was four days of staying in the hospital, where they tested Angela and they tested everything. I mean, our hospital system here is fantastic. I, I can mm. never fault it. They they do look after our kids. And then on the fourth day, every day that passed, and it was the longest four days I can ever imagine like you know time went by so slowly they sat us down and they said look we know what's wrong with her she has a very rare condition a very rare form of cancer mm. called histiocytosis and uh it affects one in one hundred thousand children just to mm -hmm. give you an understanding i live near uh nearby um, um bankway stadium 
And I think the capacity is there about 36,000. So you could fill it up twice and still not get to her. Yeah. And I had to ask that question that every parent wants to know, like, how bad is this? I said, look, she has the rarest form of this and she has tumors all over her body. I mean, oh. they found tumors on her, in her liver, spleen, bone marrow, mastoid, which I didn't even know what that was. Uh, it was present on her skin. It was like the immune system attacking, attacking her in the form of lesions and tumors. And um, I just remember just staying silent, trying to process all of this. And I said, well, what are her chances of beating it? And they said, they looked me straight in the eye and they said, we'll give her a 20% chance of survival. Wow. So that hit me. That was like, I, I, I remember I, I had my brothers in the room. I've got two brothers and I grabbed his um, to say, I, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe this is happening. You know, please tell me this is a nightmare. Let me wake up. Um, and it, it depends on how you then view the world after that, Karen, because mm. it's either a 20% chance I'm still going to have my little girl. Or there's an 80% chance I'm going to lose her. Mm. And what followed was nearly three years of treatment. And when I say treatment, whatever could happen in terms of challenges, my daughter faced it. Infections, reactions, um, chemotherapy, the type that causes your hair to fall out. Hospital became our first home. And then being able to bring her home felt like a holiday. That's how strange life became. So to answer your question, what was life like? It was very different. I was very success orientated, very focused on, you know, bringing that money that a lot of people out there are thinking, you know, about perhaps. And um, overnight it was flipped. I didn't care about any of that. I had four, um, four boys working with me. I let them all go. I just apologized to people that I promised that I was going to help. Um, and, and said to them, I can't do your job anymore. And life became a really tough balance of um, me getting up in the morning, going to the building site, trying to finish as quickly as I can to rush to the hospital. And I will spend as much time as I can there until Angela fell asleep. And then I'll come home and I'll do the laundry and maintain the house. But here's the thing, like a lot of parents in my situation, um, they're down in income, possibly too, depending, mm -hmm. you know, if mum and dad give up their job to be bedside. So they're not only worried about their child now, they're worried about, can I afford the mortgage? Can I afford the, the council rate? You know, or the electricity bill just came in. So they're worried about finances. And I just wanted to know, well, what can I do to make a difference? Yeah. And I felt like such a useless dad, such a helpless, um, useless person. Um, the images that are burned in my head are moments of when Angela would reach out to me saying, you know, daddy saved me from oh. these scary people because she trusts me. I'm her dad and I can't do anything. Mm. Handing her over to surgeons, you know, as she falls asleep because she knows what was going on. You know, these kids, their default response is anybody that comes into my hospital room, they're going to hurt me and they cry. Mm. And, um, you know, handing her over to a surgeon, trying my best to, you know, smile. And I never cried in front of Angela. I just wanted her to know everything was okay. Leaving that room was a different story. Um, when I left that sur uh, surgery and, you know, after she fell asleep and the surgeons could, could do their work, a nurse knew that I needed a hug. And uh, she told me, she said, you did good. But in my heart, I feel like, no, I, I'm, I'm failing this girl. I can't do anything for her. So I noticed that... You know, uh, these fun runs, these barbecue fundraisers, they all have a place. You know, there's no way that I'm going to cure this disease, but what can I do to help her? Mm. And I just hated myself for being so dumb. You know, why couldn't I be smart, get a PhD and research, you know, something like that? Like, it's interesting what you think about at two o'clock in the morning when the machines are beeping and yeah. you're, you're the only one awake um, in a hospital room. But I noticed how hard it was to change. Angela, where whenever she was confined to a hospital bed, like a lot of kids in her situation do, and they've got wires and tubes and breathing tubes and 
heart monitors and all these cables that restrict them and confine them to that bed. Mm. And a lot of the time they either wear a t-shirt that they just cut off and throw away. They don't want to wear a hospital gown because a lot of kids just don't like the look of it. You don't want to look sick and feel sick or they just stay naked, you know, with a nappy or shorts on. And I remember trying to remove this t-shirt after one bad episode where the chemo caused Angela to throw up often. I would try and change the shirt and I, I wish I had a pair of scissors or I could just rip it off. And I remember just waiting for the nurse to, to give me a hand because no parent's going to touch their child with all these wires and mm. needles coming out of them. But a light, light bulb went off in my head. I was like, you know what? Why hasn't someone done something about this? And it's interesting when you've got time on your hands, and you, you know, you can think. Yeah. And I was like, how would, how would I do it? Now, for anybody out there listening to this, I honestly think that I'm the example of if you've got no money, no network, no resources, but an idea, that's enough. Mm, 100%. Because I had this idea of reinventing the hospital gown, but I didn't have money. So what do I do? The first thing I do, I reach out to my immediate network. And it's interesting when, when bad luck befalls you, you find out very quickly who your friends are. Mm, I yep. can count on both hands the number of people that actually bothered to come visit us at the hospital. You know, and you'll be surprised when situations like that happen in your life, the people that you expect to be there won't be there. Mm. So be prepared for that. Um, and one person that came to visit often, a good friend of mine that I knew from teenage years, he wanted to find a way to help me. And I said, look, this is my idea. And uh, he believed in me. He said, look, I'm, I'm in this with you. So he helped out financially. And um, we, we started to go to work at trying to reinvent this hospital gown. And it was a challenge because we wanted to find someone that could help us make it. I've never made a T-shirt in my life. I, I don't know how it works. <laughs> But there was a lovely old lady that lived a couple of streets away. I think she's, you know, she's, she's still there. Um, and she's, she's that lady that does alterations, you know, your school uniforms, and whatever you need to change. She took pity on me. She said, look, I'll help you. She helped make so many prototypes. The amount of times I knocked on her door. But the process was we met a lot of families in the hospital. We met a lot of nurses. And because we were there for quite a few years, we developed relationships with them. And we said, um, hey, what, what, if we were to do something like this, what would be the best way? Oh, you've got to have it this way. And we tried everything, Velcro, zippers, buttons, hooks. I think there was one with hooks or something like that. Um, just ties and that sort of thing. Um, but we settled on little plastic press studs reinforced on a ribbon. And... Um, we tried it. My kids tried it out and um, it was a winner. They could sleep in it. It was comfortable. You could easily remove it. And we were like, okay, I think this is the way to go. So then I presented it to the hospital and I want you to imagine I walk in with dirty work boots, shorts, <laughs> high-vis shirt, and I walk up to the administration office and I'm like, hey, why don't we give this out to the kids? <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy you know <laughs> but the story of super t doesn't stop there it actually starts there because i want you to imagine like if you come out with a medical garment there's a lot of red tape that you would need to go through in order to prove something like this we managed to do that because of the help of nurses and families that said we want this and what super t never started from the top down it was always from the bottom up it's from families like me saying we believe in this. We want this. Yep. So then we started to make, manufacture them locally. And then we had a date set for our launch. And in June 2018, I want you to imagine this day. I walk into this hospital a long time ago, holding a little baby. Right? She was barely one, being told there's a high chance I won't ever walk out with her. I walk in. 
to the same hospital that saved her back in June 2018, holding her hand and holding what is now called the super tea in the other hand. And we called it the super tea because my son, all right, he uh, spent a lot of time away from his sister while she was going through you know, treatment scans and that sort of thing. And um, whenever she would go to hospital, he would assume that she's going away for a while before she comes home again. Um, so I was looking at after him at home one day and he comes out of his bedroom and he's a superhero fanatic. Yeah. He's got all the costumes. He comes out of his bedroom dressed up as a superhero and I'm watching the TV relaxing. He comes out all stern with this look on his face. And just as a joke, you know, I'm paying attention to the TV. I said, oh, Batman, what are we doing today? You know, you're going to fight some crime. Who are we saving? And he mentioned his sister's name. Wow. wow. I'll never forget that. Yeah. He honestly believed he was going to go save his sister. And wow. when I researched wow. that, I know. I know. <sighs> And when I researched that, Karen, there's actually a phenomenon, I can't say the word phenomenon or phenomenon. Phenomenon, <laughs> called, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of the song now. Um, <laughs> called the Batman effect or the, the alter ego effect or the superhero effect. There's studies into this where you dress a child up in a costume, they take on that persona, they take mm. on the characteristics. And I was loving reading all these studies. And it was conducted by a child psychologist in Minnesota and in America. What she did was quite interesting. They got a bunch of kids, different ages, and they took one into a room. Um, and in this room was a glass box with a door and a lock on it. And it was locked. And inside this glass box was a toy. And they would say to the child, here, here's a bunch of keys. Try and find the key to unlock this, you know, this box and you can keep the toy inside. The trick was none, none of the keys worked. They just wanted to see how long this kid, until, the, until this kid gave up. Yeah. And what they found was put a costume on a child. It doubled the amount of time. Wow. Why? Why is that, do you think? Are you asking me? No, I'm asking because, you. Because they actually believed they were a superhero and they, and, they, and they had a mission and they had to achieve it. Yeah. Absolutely right. What would Batman do? What yeah. would Captain America do? Yeah. They don't give up. Yeah. They keep fighting. They get the job done. Yeah. Um, and I love this. And wow. and this super superhero alter ego um aspect we had to adopt. And that's where we got the name Super T. So I walk into this hospital in June 2018 with a medical garment disguised as a superhero costume. Wow. And I had this mum who um, has helped us with the manufacturing. She had a, a, a baby that had a congenital heart problem when he was born. Mm. He's fine today. But she remembers the, the torment she went through yep. seeing her little baby try and survive with, with um, uh, a heart problem. And she said, look, please allow me to buy the first hundred. I want you to give out the first hundred. And so uh, we, we had all the news there and, or, you know, it was quite an emotional day. Um, and we had superhero costume entertainers. And fast forward to today, we are now nationwide. We supply as often as we can to Australia's sickest children. Mm. We're talking children facing terrible situations, you know, situations like my daughter went through um, where we provide these to them for free because of the love and, and um, generosity of other people out there. Mm. So if you ever wanted an example of kindness in this world, we exist because of kindness. We wouldn't exist any other way. Um, but it's, it's been interesting because we're not, in, we're not even scratching the surface in the number of kids that we can help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, oh. there's up to a million kids that go through the hospitals around Australia every year, pick a number of how many of them are facing life-threatening conditions. But if I may, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about what makes this garment so special. Yeah, please. Yeah. Now, 
So it's a it's a 100 cotton garment. It has non-toxic print. It has underarms exposed for the thermometer checks or the, the temperature checks that the nurses would do every four hours that would often wake Angela up at night. Now, a lot of these kids, they're conditioned into believing that every time a nurse or a doctor comes into their room, they're going to get a needle or be hurt mm-hmm. in some way. So their automatic default response is to cry. The more I think about this, I'm, you know, it must be terrifying for a child that is confused and doesn't understand why these things are happening to them. You know, and I always challenge the idea of how can a child, if you were to say to a child, be brave, they've got no understanding of that, Karen. That they, they don't understand what that is. What well, what do you mean? They've never had to be like that before. Yeah. But they understand what a superhero is and they understand what a superhero does. And now by default, they're brave because they're now pretending. Um, there's a beautiful oh, love movie. it <laughs> yeah yeah there, there, there's a movie um that i would encourage everyone to see and if you haven't seen this already you, you're welcome for your listeners out there it's called life is beautiful mm. um i think roberto benini is the um is the director yeah and it tells the story about how a father um during world war ii and his son um are put in a concentration camp Mm. and the father knows exactly what's going on but from the child's perspective dad is saying to him it's a game of hide and seek you've got to hide whenever you see these these soldiers in uniform so from the child's perspective it's a game now Mm. and he said if you keep playing this game you get to see a tank at the end wow and i want you to watch this movie because i think it captures what Wow. We are trying to do, mm. you know, like, um, yes, there are harsh realities for what these kids face in hospital, but that doesn't mean that we can't, in, you know, instill a bit of imaginative play. Mm. So if you were to ask, what, what does my charity stand for? It's for recognizing the bravery and imagination these kids have. Um, they're not going through an MRI machine. Um, it's, you know, you've got to stay still so that they can take pictures and anybody that moves, they'll, they'll be able to find you and you're in the spaceship, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, whatever way we can gamify, I think is a gamification aspect of it just to get them through what they're going through. Um, so I digress. <laughs> small, these small little plastic press studs run on both sides of the garment and they're plastic so they can go through an MRI machine. And the spaces in between allow for all these wires and tubes to be um, nicely organized, depending on where the machines were on either side of the bed. It has shoulder studs in case you have a feeding tube, breathing mask, you know, breathing tube, um, or you've just fallen asleep. You can just change your child without them having to move much. Yeah. But um, the cape, being a superhero costume, it comes with a cape, but that cape doubles as a bib. Yeah. Um, And now all of a sudden this garment is – giving a bit more independence back to parents where they don't need the help of nurses. So we're hoping that there's a reduction in nurse calls, that there's a bit of a morale boost for the kids and also for the parents, because now I can control the level of hygiene. I can keep my kid clean. And it's very easy for kids to make a mess in a hospital bed. And I've got a reason now to play with my kid in, in the sense of, you know, they're a, they're a superhero, you know, I'm the sidekick, you know, we're, we're going to go, do this now, Superman, or whatever it is that you that you can imagine. Um, and it comes in a reusable tin with a comic book and stickers, and they're actually reward stickers. So if they've had a needle or surgery, the stickers that say brave, strong, warrior, fighter, you know, oh, things wow. of that nature. So um, yeah. I really believe that there's an opportunity here to revolutionize the way people look and feel in hospital. My eyes are set on replacing the traditional boring hospital gown that no one wants to wear. No one wants to look sick and feel sick at the same time. And I really think that this is a product product that can go international. Um, and I believe it will be. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm 
think it's it's marvelous, and I love all of the undertones. You know that, that we do it for this reason and for that reason, and this is how people feel, and you know all the psychological stuff. I, I think this is brilliant. Angela was one when she went into hospital in 2013, and you didn't start making them till 2018. Was she was was she facing this diagnosis? I will have to say, by the way, Angela is now a healthy nine year old. So if anybody's worried about Angela, um, stop worrying. I mean, there are a stack of other kids that we do need to focus on. But the good news is that Angela did come out the other end. And she's a healthy, healthy young girl. So that's great. But over that five years was she in hospital over that five years trying to get through like did it take that long so her treatment went for about three years yeah and then after three years there is um scans quite often yeah so uh, again i can't praise our hospital system enough Mm. the way they look after our kids our very sick kids they uh insist that look just because you finished treatment doesn't mean that you're out of the woods. We have to make sure you're you're okay. So, for parents with sick kids, um, yeah, Angela left the hospital at around or just just over her fourth past her fourth birthday. Mm. But then you know scans, tests were always being done. These were the things that my son was worried about. You know, mm. um, and. Uh, Five years, five years, Karen, is is the mark. They they say that if you can go five years post-treatment, the risk of, of it coming back. And, you know, I, obviously I'm a very superstitious man with everything that's happened to us. Mm. But they say five years is is when you're hoping that things are okay now. You can you can stop stressing. But I, I will say this, though, for any parent of a child that has cancer, or anyone that has cancer, actually. As sad as it is for me to say this, cancer wins in one way or the other. And I really hate saying this, but unfortunately, I believe it's true. Because um, I want you to imagine how I feel every time she says she's got a stomachache or a headache or something like that. My worry, my stress, my PTSD, yep. so to call it, you know. Yeah. It, it, it never leaves that parent because of everything that they've had to go through. Yeah. So it's always a worry at the back of your mind that this, this terrible thing is, is going to come back. And and it's interesting on the, on the night that Angela was diagnosed and the doctors left the room, I made her two promises. And the first promise is the moment that we're allowed to leave this hospital, I don't care how I'm going to afford it, but wouldn't go straight to Disneyland. Yeah. 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 And the second thing is I'm going to find a way to keep this invisible monster away because that's what it felt like. It felt like a bully that was hiding inside of her that was trying to hurt her because, you know, I couldn't get my hands on it, Mm. you know, but I'm proud to say that Disneyland was amazing. (laughs) Great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm now working on promise number two because the ultimate goal for Super T is not only to provide these two kids internationally and ha- and to have one available for every time bad news is given, like in the situation that I was in. Um, the ultimate dream is to, to finance for research. I, I can't stress enough that research is, you know, is where it's at. I, I don't care of your political religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people were, given me all kinds of opinions you know or it's a business or jason you know how can anyone believe in god when they see a child suffer and things of that nature i'm not interested in any of that because that doesn't as far as i'm concerned that doesn't help the situation what i do know is research produces treatments that saves kids and i think we all need to agree on that yeah um and and that is that is my ultimate focus. Like if you were just to, to understand the reason why I would work ridiculous hours mm. and, and push myself to, to get things and projects over the line and everything done it because I want to one day get revenge on what this disease has done to my little girl and to so many other kids. You know what I mean? So I'm a, uh, it's a vengeance thing for me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. 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 <laughs> 
No, yeah. I, I get it. I lost my sister to cancer when she was 33 and um, she left behind two twin boys, age seven, and a, and a, and a girl, age four, who I'm are now, who that. are now, oh, that's okay. It is, it is what it is. And it's, um, you know, they're, they're now young adults, but um, I, I, I hear you, you know, it's, it's, um, it never leaves you. And it, it, the, the, that ripple effect, you know, is just so, when you say it's a winner, you, you know, there's just so many things now that are so different in our family and in our lives because of that one, of that one thing, not only losing her, but it, it, it's, it, tears families apart you know that sort of stuff yeah. and, um you know so I, I hear what you're saying I hear it's just a it's, it's thank god you're doing what you're doing and thank god that there are people like you who who try to you know you, your 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 mission is to uh, take some of the sting out of it do you, you know and and hopefully uh, make it better into the future and the, and you, you we don't know what's around the corner. You know, it could be that that last thousand dollars that just is the thing that just finds the solution, or you know, or the cure, yeah. or something that's going to make you know extend people's lives. We just don't know what's around the corner, and I think that every day we have to have the intent, you know, just to make the world better. And and sometimes we can look at it like a futile thing. I'm sure you've had those days, you know, why am I doing this? It's never going to happen Do you, you, because we are human and these things eat at our minds, Do you, you know, but yeah. it's, a, it's about picking ourselves up the next day and saying, you know what, my intention is to do this. And at least I can sleep at night, you know, and you never know what's around the corner. I, if I succeed, I'll be so glad that I kept going and kept going and kept going. And it's people's lives we're talking about. But you, since 2018, you've made 7,000 plus superhero costumes. I'm going to say superheroes. You've made more than 7,000 yes. superheroes. That's the way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> since Correct, um, yep. In the last, well, what's that? Three years. That that's a, that's amazing. That's seven thousand superheroes, or seven thousand plus superheroes that didn't exist, and that wouldn't have existed, you know, if you hadn't have taken up this project. And and you know, we don't know. Like like we can say that yeah, kids love to be superheroes, and they love to dress up, and they love to imagine, you know, that they're that they're doing this, but. You, you don't know and you'll, you, you will never know because it's impossible for you to ever catch up with those 7,000. You know, even when, let's, let's say when rather than if, they become adults, you know, they do make it through, they get to be adults. What, what impact did that in the future, did that have on their adult life being a superhero when they were a kid, Do you, you know, we'll never know the answer to that, but you can only imagine that it's it's going to bring them so much hope and resilience and just a different a different view of life because somebody cared enough to make them a superhero. I think that's. I think with me working, and, and honestly, if we would have met maybe four years ago and you were to say to me, "You're going to be a CEO of a charity," I would have laughed at the idea. <laughs> Yeah. You know, now look at me. But being the CEO of a charity, I, I'm privileged to come across stories, you know. And yeah. I honestly think I get to see the extremes of both sides of humanity. And mm -hmm. if I may explain, yeah. I get to see the most beautiful side and I get to hear about how evil people can be to kids. Yep. Um, heartbreaking. But, you know, there are some stories that I can talk about and there are some stories that I can't. But one story in particular, uh, there's two. I'll talk about kindness. Mm. There's this one man. Um, he's based in Queensland. And I keep his letter on my wall that I'm looking at right now above the laptop. And his name is, um, his name is Rob. And he writes a letter to me and uh, handwritten letter. I mean, who does that anymore? Mm. He does handwritten letters. Yeah. And he says, uh, dear Jason, I'm an 84, soon to be 85 year old widowed pensioner. I read your story in a magazine and I hope the enclosed will help your cause All the best Rob. And he encloses a hundred dollars. 
Now, for a pensioner, that's a lot of money, Karen. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I like this letter is that this guy trusts me with his money. Yeah. So we pack the super teas and we send them out. Every now and then we're able to put a little card inside these little gift packs and say, hey, love and best wishes, so forth, you know, whoever it is. And I'll put love and best wishes, Rob or what, what have you. But within our community of parents, and we've got more than 520 parents, and these are parents looking after Australia's sickest kids. Mm. One boy was waiting for his super team. It was such a pleasure to say to Rob, mm. Rob, meet Max. Max is, a, a, I think he's a six-year-old boy fighting Crohn's disease. And it's just a beautiful exchange, you know, mm. of humanity, of kindness. Um, and what this kid's going through and how Rob has sacrificed what is a lot to him to make a difference for someone else. I've had so many beautiful situations like that. I've mm. had um, at a convention once, we were at a Comic-Con, for instance. We had a booth there. And uh, this boy walks into our stand. He's like, oh, what is this? And I explained to him, this is a hospital garment we give to kids disguised mm. as a superhero costume. This kid could have bought anything, Karen, at that Comic-Con. There was toys, there were collectibles, there were anything. He had $50 as um, his pocket money. He decided to help a sick kid. Oh, you're making me cry. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's what life's about, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I've got to remember, it's like, okay, well, why do I do this? Yeah, there's a part of me, it's like, okay, I don't want people to feel what I went through. Because it's interesting, the lessons you learn from suffering. Yeah. You know, I honestly believe that um, people that have gone through so much suffering, they will never wish that on anyone. And that's why they're so willing to help. And I honestly believe that when you go to hospital or experience hospital, you leave the hospital with always two things, the fear of ever coming back. Yep. And laser focus on what's important in your life when you leave. Yep. So when you ask me at the very beginning, you know, what was I like before? Um. Yeah, I honestly believe that there's going to be a point in my life when I'm an old man and reaching the end of my life. And I just want to know that I did all I can to make a difference for others because I think that's the ultimate good that we as humans can, can do. You know, regardless of how much money I have in the bank account, if it's not helping benefit others, what's the point? It's just it's numbers in a, on a bank sheet. Yeah. So that's my view. Wow. (laughs) Oh, I I love it. And I read that you've got something like another, what was it? What did I say in the intro? Another 8,000 to still be delivered. So is that, that means you've got 8,000 made ready to be delivered or you've got 8,000 orders in the backlog or? Well, I'm proud to say, I'm proud to say that 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 8,000 is now lower. I don't know the exact figure, but. We've, we've had some help since then. Yeah. Um, um, we had a fellow the other day call me up. <laughs> really strange situations, you know. Uh, he contacted me through um, social media and we arranged to talk. And he goes, uh, I, I own an earth-moving civil works business. Love what you're doing. I said, thank you very much. And I honestly thought he'll probably help me, you know, help two, three, maybe five kids. Yeah. Because I want to, I want to donate $50,000. Oh, wow. Wow. I was speechless. I was like, wow. Wow. That's a lot of money to him. Yeah. But he believes in what we do so much. And it's interesting. It's like, you know, whenever you have situations like that, Yes, some people might see might see the world as, you know, this cruel, unkind, 
cold place. I'm telling you, if, if you look, if you only look, there are beautiful, kind people out there, you know? Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, yes, we've got thousands more that we would like to, to help before Christmas. We want to help them before Christmas. Yeah. Christmas time is always an interesting time because that's the, the that in tax time, strangely enough, are the two times that people all of a sudden remember, oh, <laughs> I want to give. Um, but it's it's an interesting thing because um, the the end of the year is approaching, and I think it, it also reminds people that it's that season season of giving. Yeah. So we would love that every child be given one for free. I don't want the parents to pay for it, as we mentioned, they're going through enough. But I've I've got plans for this, Karen. I've got I've got ideas for an adult version, adolescent. So I'm always being asked for. You know, we only help children between the ages of one to 12 years old at the moment. Uh, I want to expand the range. I've got ideas for different types of capes, different designs. You probably see in the video here, I've got a, I've got a princess dress behind me. <laughs> I, I can't wait to come out with that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got sporting versions. There's a lot that we can do here and I'm super excited for the future and the potential of this. You know, I live and breathe this. This is my hobby. This is my job. This is my passion. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I love seeing the community grow, you know, people like yourself wanting to, to cover it, share the story. And that's what we are. We're, we're storytellers. We join those that want to help with those that deserve all the help there is. Yeah. So, the, and there are so many ways people can help. And you've got this um, downloadable PDF, you know, that's, uh, oh, no, actually it was your media kit that you sent to me, but you, people can still get hold of this. You know, like opportunities for corporate, you know, to to support you, like volunteering because, you, you you know, you need more volunteers to pack stuff. And I know COVID presents some issues, but, you know, there, there are still opportunities um, you know, warehouse support, um, hospital visits and fundraising opportunities, you know, for corporates uh, and conventions to have fundraising and in-house in -house dollar matching campaigns and shop. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that people can do and um, professional services that people can assist you with and sponsorship and donations. And I mean, there are so, I love what you're saying. Like there's so many ways to help, but I love what you're saying about all these people that trust you with their money. And I, I also run a charity where you support people in Africa, you know, build schools and, and have sponsorship and stuff. And, and there's there's something quite special about people trusting you with their money. Do you, you know, that, that, that to me says the ultimate. And I think, you know, when you talk about that guy with the um, earth moving equipment, you know, $50,000, that's, that's incredible trust. On the other hand, it, this kind of thing can't be done on a hundred dollars. Oh, it can be from one person for that, you know, Rob for Mac, Rob to help Max. I mean, that's just absolutely beautiful. But you know, th this kind of large scale takes a lot of money. So there's, you know, any corporates listening to this or, you know, I don't know whether they'll reach, I'll reach them through this. But if, if there's anybody who can help you, this is amazing. And, um, you know, you've got this goal to help 28,000 of the sickest kids. And, I mean, where does that 28,000 come from? Where is, is that per year or is that Australia or, like, where where does that figure yeah. come from? Yeah, we uh, we have a list of hospitals that we supply to regularly. Well, we try to. We try yeah. to. It's a very difficult conversation when we deliver to a hospital, but we don't have any local support or any support for in order to resupply. You know, it's heartbreaking for us to say, sorry, we, we don't have any more to give you. Um, but within that list of hospitals, we ask them what what's the most that you, in, in order to, because the nurses know the kids, they, de they develop relationships with them. They, they know exactly who to give the super teas to. So when we get an, a figure from each one of them, put it together, 28,000. And that's just the minimum. That's not, that's not even scratching the surface in terms of how many kids we can help. So um, yeah, that's, that's our goal. 28,000 kids to be turned into superheroes and to give us the ability to make more of them. Um, you're right. COVID did pose a lot of problems before COVID. We used to have packing events. I can't pack these all myself, Karen. I, I need help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we would, we would reach out to community organizations, to corporates and say, Hey, you've got space. 
you've got staff, we need volunteers. Can you help us? Yeah. And we would go to their place of, of business or a community hall if we could find one. We'll set up the tables and we'll get a conveyor belt process going. And it's an awesome experience. It's a, it's a team building experience. Mm. But we also have a lot of fun because these volunteers can see they're touching the very thing that is making a difference for these kids. We invite costume entertainers. So, you know, you'll be packing next to Wonder Woman or something <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah. But the the beautiful thing is that we also invite families that we've helped in the past and we ask them to come along, meet the people that are volunteering, people that yeah. want to help you. Yeah. Um, and they share their stories. And it's just a beautiful exchange because, um, you know, you're, your back hurts, your your feet hurt from standing up all day and you hear their story and you're like, I don't care. Yeah. Before COVID, we used to visit the hospitals. We would turn up with these superheroes dressed, you know, like they've just walked off a movie set. Wow. Ridiculous, ridiculously precise costumes. And I want you to imagine um, you're walking down this hospital ward room with me and we turn out, turn up outside this door. And the nurse tells us the name and age of this child. And uh, we open the door. Oh, sorry. There's a knock on the door. Door opens. This child looks up. (laughs) That reaction, we have a special name for it. And we call it the moment. That's the moment where that child who's bored, not much to do in a hospital bed, looks up and sees Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man. Spider-Man. And the story is this. Um, we've taken the day, these superheroes have taken the day of fighting crime and saving the world to come meet their hero, which oh. is this little kid. Oh. Wow. And they get super excited. You know, they say, oh, this, this, this is Johnny. We found him. Oh, my God. I can't believe we've been wanting, wanting to meet you so much. Hey, guys, we found them. And they all get excited. Oh, and um it's such a beautiful thing to witness. And it's, and they say things like, um, Hey, you're, you're my hero. Can I have your signature? Can I have a photo with you? And it confuses the child. They're like, hold on, but you're Captain America. You're the superhero. Yeah. But you're Captain America's superhero. You're my hero. Oh God. Wow. (laughs) just, Just for that moment, just for that moment, can we escape what this kid is going through? Yeah. And have them believe just for a moment maybe they're extraordinary. Mm. Maybe that they have special powers. And I tell you, Karen, hand on my heart, the stories that I come across from these parents and what these kids overcome to just stay alive, it's supernatural. They are superheroes. Yep, yep. So I appreciate so much you having me on the show. Um, Thank you for allowing me to share this the stories and the, the privilege I have to, to help kids every day. Um, of course, it is a challenge. I have my ups and downs. Some days it's, it's tremendously stressful. But um, don't be surprised if one day you see a kid walking down the street wearing uh, a superhero costume. Um, <laughs> the best day ever. <laughs> and, and if you do, and if you do, and it looks like that child, you know, may be, unwell or maybe in a wheelchair but they're wearing a superhero costume it'd be great if a stranger can acknowledge them as a superhero yeah i tell you what i do every time i see a kid in a superhero costume i say hey batman (laughs) and the the smile on their face is just that's it oh it it I, I, I love, well, no, thank you for coming on the show. This is, I, this is amazing. Look, you know, people can please give by giving a donation or, you know, or, or if you, if you're part of a corporate organization, you know, have a big fundraising day or, or just do some good. You know, I know that there are so many uh, corporate business corporations, you know, that just need to give money to, to, for good they just need to to tick a few boxes what what a perfect what a perfect way to help and if some of the employees get involved and you know do stuff I, i'm bloody blown away by this i i i, I love you from the bottom <laughs> of my heart I thank just, you 
I you. love, love Come along, be part of this. We're, we're looking, we need oh. a community. This is not going to survive without the help of others. Yeah. So anybody listening, you know, please join us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Um, you know, rally the troops, do a, do a fundraiser, like you said. Um, we can't do it by ourselves. There's that old adage, you know, um, it takes a, a village to raise a child. My question is, well, what happens when that child gets sick? We need a community. We need everybody um, to, to to help somebody, you know. So yeah, it'll be it'll be great. You can check us out online. Our website is super T. That's super as in Superman. T double E one word dot org dot au. Um, and or you can contact me. My my email is Jason at super T dot org dot au. Would love to um uh, to, to hear from you. Yeah. Otherwise, just cheer us on. If you can't donate, just just cheer us on. Is I hope it's not too much to ask to to just like or share share us in a Facebook group you're part of. Spread the word. It, it, you uh, you don't get to see the knock on effect of that, but I do. Yeah. You know, when someone says, "Hey, someone shared this," and I, I wanted to ask, how, "How do I get involved?" Just by that few clicks, you know. Oh. So, yeah. Well, I love it. Now, I do have a I do have a get off the bench question for you. Um, this this podcast I do it for everybody, but this podcast is uh, get off the bench to inspire people to take action, exactly like you've done. I mean, you know, people don't have to do it as big as you, but um, you've done it, and it is absolutely super inspiring. Well, what advice would you give to somebody, anybody thinking that they have a good idea, because that's what you started with, just an idea, and you said you had no money, no resources, same for me. But if somebody's got an idea and they're thinking that they can make a difference, but they've got no clue where to start, what advice would you give them? I think the best thing that I can give is an analogy, okay? And it's interesting you ask this question because I um, – I came across, again, a story, um, and I want to use the analogy of how a Mexican wave starts. Yeah. How does a Mexican wave start, Karen? One person stands up and looks like an idiot. <laughs> I think 50% of the battle is for you just to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I can with what I have, where I am, with you know whoever is around me. So don't be afraid to share your plans. Okay, these these kids were at a football match and um, they were saying to each other, we want to start a Mexican wave. Well, how do you do it? Let's tell everybody around the seats where we're sitting. We want to do a Mexican wave. So if you've got an idea, there's someone in your immediate circle or someone in your network that might not be able to help directly, but might know someone. And that's what happened to me, you know? Yeah. And then from that small group, they all stood up because they believed in these two kids. Yeah. And you know what? The first time they did it, it didn't work. And then the second time they did it, it didn't work. The third time was interesting. They did it and it started very, very weak. And then it started to gain momentum and it started to make its way around the stadium. And then by the time it came back to those kids, it was the whole stadium. Everyone did it. Yeah. 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 Just do it, guys. Just do it. That's right. And when, when I said idiot, I wasn't meaning that in a bad way, but this is why <laughs> we don't do things is because we we fear we're going to look like an idiot. You know, we fear we're going to be rejected. We fear we're going to be criticised, you know, and all that sort oh, of Oh, I've copped all of that. I've been yeah. told I'm an idiot. I've been told um, that it's a bad idea. I've been told that it would never fly. I've heard it all. Yeah. But I also believe that crazy people or genius, uh, was it? <laughs> there's a saying, maybe you can help me out here. Um, uh, you have to be crazy to believe you can change the world because it's often those are the people that do it. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly right. And I 100%, and I just think go for it. You know what? And what's the worst thing you can have? People aren't going to come bloody shoot you. You know, you, you're just going to, you might fail, but fails fan, failing is fantastic because, you know, it's kind of, well, that didn't work. Now I can refine mm -hmm. it. Now I can get it better. You know, it's now nah, I I love it. I have <laughs> absolutely loved this conversation. My, my you go. If go I on. can add one more thing, yes, if, if I can, for the yes. people out there, you know, I've I've been on the side uh, sidewalks. I've been on the streets trying to raise funds. You know, I've been bucket shakers. 
talking to people, trying to raise funds for what we do. And when you do that, you encounter so many different types of people. I've been told, you know, good on you, keep going. Um, I've had a lot of kindness, but I've also had a lot of people tell me off yeah. for what I do. You know, so you're, you're going to encounter in your life people that believe in you and people for some unknown reason, and it's not your concern, but they just don't like you. Yeah. You know, and it's not your, it's not your task or job to change that. If they don't like you, they don't like you. Yeah. But there is a poem from Theodore Roosevelt that I read to myself whenever I'm feeling like, you know, um, I'm being picked on or um, singled out mm. or being made fun of. Yeah. It's called Man in the Arena. Yeah. Okay. Read that poem. And that will, that will tell you, you know, not to, not to be too concerned about those that aren't in those trenches fighting yeah. like you are. Yeah. I don't know the poem exactly, but I, I say that to everybody that I'm working with, with Get Off the Bench, is that the people criticising you are not the ones in the ring. They're not the ones in the arena. Don't worry about those. Because those people that are in there with you, they're not criticising you. They're bloody picking you up and, and they're they're helping you. So I guess it's I guess it's along those lines, but I'm gonna look it up. But I I love it. So that I always finish with where can people find you? You've already said that. It's www.supertea.org.au. Um Jason with Super Tea is also on Facebook, also on Insta under the Super Tea Project. Uh, actually, Facebook is the Super Tea Charity, and on LinkedIn, Jason Satiris, and um, all of those links are going to be in the show notes. But Jason, thank you so 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 much. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you're the superhero, you know, bringing superheroes yeah. to life. And it's like you're putting them in the little, you know, like the the, the little, um, what are they called, like the water monkeys, you know, like you put them in, add some water and superheroes <laughs> popping up everywhere. I can't think what they're called, monkey, you know, those monkeys. But Analogy. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, sea monkeys, but you, you, um, you just, you're just popping little superheroes up everywhere, and the world needs more of that, you know. And that's a bit of analogy in itself, but um, I just think you're doing exceptional work, and it's um, all from kindness and selflessness, and just wanting to make a better world, and spurred on by um, a situation of adversity and which it's a shame that this happens often, you know, to make people realise what is actually in them, you know, that they can bring to the world. But I, 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 nothing but admiration for you, for what you're doing. I think thank you. a bloody genius and a bloody inspiration. So thank you so very much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Oh, guys, I don't even know what to say about that. That was just so oh, heartwarming and heart-wrenching and just heart-filled. Like I, my heart just feels so full of love and joy and warmth as well as sadness for so many families. But how incredible that, you know, when people do this, sort of stuff and they, it's beyond themselves even though it did come from adversity and it's just it's, it's the fact that he Jason just knew how it felt and knows how it feels for families going through this sort of stuff I, I you know he's putting so much heart and soul into it guys if you can help in any way please do and like Jason said even if it's just going to their Facebook page their Instagram page following them um, sharing them, you know, talking about them, just uh, even even just share them or talk about them to somebody you know because that ripple effect might end up being just what they need to get a corporate sponsor or to getting, you know, getting people on board to help and, and more superheroes dressed up in costumes that go into the hospitals for the kids. I mean, just imagine that. Imagine this kid in bed and Batman walks in and tells that kid that they are the hero. I, I, do, I just love this. Seriously, I am just, I don't know, I don't know whether to, to smile, to laugh, to cry, what to do. I just, I just thank God that people like Jason are out there and thank God he got off the bench and backed himself despite 
all of these negative comments that did come his way and he'd still push through and he's got something to fight for. And I, I absolutely love him and love what he's doing. So, guys, please go, please go follow him and support him in any way you can. And even if the only all you can do is go to the website, that's the best place to start. So supert.org.au or connect with him on LinkedIn. Anyway, all this stuff's in the show notes, but guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me every week. Thank you for, in advance, for supporting Jason and all that he does. So absolutely love this. I will see you next week so I can go off and have a cry. Okay, see ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.